Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. What an honor to be uh, bringing the word to you today, and welcome everyone. And uh, so good to be uh, just gathering even in our own rooms and homes, but worshipping God together wherever we are. I particularly just want to um, just acknowledge the amazing work that uh, all those in our healthcare and medical fields are doing at this time to support people in the local community. There's a lot of hurting people, a lot of things going on in our world, not just obviously around the world, but here in Melbourne. And uh, I, I want us to just pray for all of our medical workers, our doctors, everyone who's working in hospitals in this season, in psychology, providing healthcare, counselling. They're carrying a heavy load and burden. We just honour you. We acknowledge you and thank you for the amazing work that you're doing in this season. And we're going to pray for you in a moment. I think it'd be also important that we pray for all things happening in Afghanistan and happening around the world in Haiti. There's a lot of hurt in the world right now and God is not ignoring it. He cares and He wants to minister His life, His love and His healing power through us in both practical and spiritual ways. Also, just want to let everyone know that we've got another revival night coming this Wednesday night and we're going to be sharing some testimonies on Wednesday night. I'm going to be bringing a word in season and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. So make sure that you tune in and watch what's happening for revival night, 7 p.m. Wednesday night. But why don't we pray together? Let's uh, just really believe that God is going to move all around the world and even uh, here in Melbourne, Australia. Father, we just thank you today that your goodness and grace is not limited or confined to a particular region, city or place. And Father, we pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, O oh God, in Afghanistan right now, that what the enemy means for evil, God, you would turn into good. We are asking, O oh God, that you'd push back the darkness and Lord, the light of your truth, Lord, both in practical ways and in spiritual ways, would be felt far and wide. God, provide the world's leaders wisdom and guidance. Lord, that they would not lead or govern according to their own agenda, but according to the righteous agenda of heaven. Father, we are asking for intervention into broken and impoverished areas all over the earth. Father, societies and cities that are suffering and under the weight, bearing up under the weight of all of the dynamics of this season. Father, we're believing your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, closer to home, we lift up all of those who are working in the healthcare and medical fields. We thank You, Father, for them and how they're serving our city and serving our local community. We pray Your blessing on them and we pray, O oh God, that You would continue to strengthen them, Lord, with everything that they need to do their job well. Father, we pray for us in our own respective homes and lives, for parents who, Lord, are carrying responsibility in this season, extraordinary responsibility to lead their kids through schooling, education, 
Lord, with limitations and restrictions, I pray for great grace. And I pray today, Lord God, that, Lord, we would be reminded it's not by might, it's not by our power, but it is by Your Spirit, says the Lord. Lord, for every leader, every volunteer, every staff member, Lord, for our board and elders and executive team, God, give us wisdom, strength and grace to be able to navigate this season. And Father, we thank You. Your your Son, Jesus, is still on the throne. He's high and lifted up and we'll give glory and honour to You. Now come, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Do surgery on our hearts, challenge us, convict us, encourage us. And may the Name of Jesus be glorified always in our life. And everyone at Numa Church says today, Amen. Well, I'm so excited about the Word. I'm ready to jump out of my skin. And so I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. I'm going to be reading from verse 22 to 32. Genesis 32, 22 to 32. The Bible says, The same night he being Jacob arose and took his two wives, God bless his heart, his two female servants and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. I think that's how you say it. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel saying, for I've seen God face to face and yet my life Has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, verse 31, as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What an amazing and bizarre encounter in Genesis 32. And today I want to speak to you on the subject, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now for me, travelling 47 weekends a year as an itinerant preacher in a former life meant that I've seen my fair share of the good, the bad and the ugly of plane travel. And one of the memorable plane trips that I had years ago was, in fact, in the city of Jakarta. I was uh, due to depart from Jakarta to Singapore and then Singapore to Melbourne, where I was on this plane that actually never left the gate for over eight hours because there was a mechanical problem and they had to get a part in and then the engineers and all the mechanics had to actually make sure that we would stay up in the air once we got up in the air. And so what started as initially one hour and two hours turned into over eight hours of sitting on a plane with cabin fever waiting for this plane to take off. And the only problem with that is that 
that if we got off the plane, because it was the last flight out of Jakarta to Singapore, I would have to stay in another hotel, rebook another flight and try and wait maybe 24, 48 hours to get out. And I didn't want to do that. I'd already been ministering in Indonesia for 10 days. It was a great trip, but I want to get home to my family. And the only food that they gave us for the entire eight hours was water and nuts. Just, you know, VIP, five-star hospitality. And it was sort of like watching a psychology experiment where rational human beings turned into Lord of the Flies on this plane. And before you know it, it was like the zombie apocalypse as you watch people go through the five stages of grief all in eight hours. And so what began in denial after the first two hours, this is not really happening. I'm in a nightmare. I'm in a dream. Well, no, it turned from denial into anger. And then you started to see uh, customers and passengers have irate conversations with air hostesses and then start to turn on each other. And there was nearly fights breaking out in the cabin. And then it would go to depression. I actually heard a lady crying after four hours in a few seats next to me. And so we're administering pastoral care to people on the plane. And then it turns into a comedy and you start to laugh. That was me. I ended up laughing for about an hour because if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. And then finally, after about seven hours of your spirit being broken, then it turns into just humble, broken acceptance. And you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll watch another movie. And so this happened over an eight hour period of time. I, in fact, coincidentally had a friend on the plane, a a ministry buddy who was flying to Singapore with me as well. And the entire eight hours, he was double-minded about whether he should stay on or hop off and go to a hotel and rebook another flight. And I'm telling him, bro, hold on. Because the moment that you hop off, the the captain will come over the speaker and say, passengers, fasten your seatbelts, we're about to take off. Until finally it got for him to about seven hours and 50 minutes. And he decided, no, I cannot do this anymore. This is a true story. He hops off the plane and you know what happened 10, 15 minutes later, that captain came over the announcement and said, we're sorry for the inconvenience. Passengers, fasten your seatbelts. We're about to take off. And I'm texting him going, you sucker, you should have held on a little bit longer. And so that whole experience taught me that every single one of us will face moments in life where our decision to give up or hold on can have far-reaching consequences, both in the simple and mundane, as well as in the more serious events in our lives. The night my sister was on a life support system 20 years ago, and the doctors came into us at Box Hill Hospital, my family and I, and said her blood pressure is dropping. She may not make it through the night. My family and I refused to let go of God's power and anointing to bring breakthrough into her life. And in a matter of hours, God miraculously moved in her life and she was on a, off a life support system and sitting up conscious and in her right mind and body. You see, for many of us, this lockdown season is a night season where we are in a wrestle with God. And for many of us, we've been impacted emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially and mentally. And on lots of different levels, through lots of different layers, this season might have been for you and still might be a wrestle, a wrestle with yourself, a wrestle with your emotions and in fact, a wrestle with God. But you need to 
know something today. Your darkest nights will often lead to your greatest encounters with God. And here in Jacob's life, we see this in real time in his encounter with God. The Bible says in verse 24 that he is in the middle of the night. He sent his family over the river and he is all by himself. The Bible says he was left alone. He was in isolation and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This is Jacob. This is the cheetah, the heel grabber, the supplanter is what Jacob's name means. 20 years after Jacob had cheated his brother out of his birthright, he finds himself alone and isolated in the middle of the night. And suddenly the same God who appeared to his grandfather Abraham now appears to him face to face in the middle of the night and starts to wrestle with him. You need to understand there are two wrestles in the Bible. The first wrestle is the one we're reading of here is where we wrestle with God that ultimately leads us to our promotion. There is a wrestle with God. There is a wrestle in our spirits and in our lives that is all about our promotion. But then there is a second wrestle and we read about this in Ephesians 6.12 where it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realm. The second wrestle that we often see in the Bible is a wrestle against evil that is sent for your destruction. Now, in this season of of the night, of darkness, of this wrestle, don't let the darkness of this night deceive you as to the purpose of the wrestle that you're facing. Sometimes we're rebuking Satan and it's in fact God trying to get our attention. Other times we're angry at God and it's in fact Satan trying to destroy us. God does not intend the isolation of this season to lead to your destruction, but it's intended to lead to your promotion. The enemy may mean it for evil, but God wants to turn it into good and mean it for your promotion. We heard from Pastor Luke earlier in communion about how God takes those things that we can't redeem and He turns it around for our good and He redeems it for our benefit and purpose so that we would not only be forever with Him in eternity, but that we would fulfil our God-given purpose on planet Earth. You see, when God is getting ready to promote you, He will prepare you in the isolation of the night seasons in the wilderness times. You see, all throughout the Bible, we see evidence of this. We see Moses and his encounter with God in the burning bush. He's out there uh, looking after himself and his father's in-law's sheep. And he's on the backside of a mountain by himself, wondering what is he doing with his life? And he wrestles with the call of God as God reveals himself through the burning bush and calls him to deliver God's people. We read about Elijah who wrestled with the angel of the Lord and his own emotions and feelings by that brook under that broom tree and then he goes to the cave and the wrestle continues where he's searching for the voice of God in the earthquake and in the wind and in the fire. But then here's the still small voice of the Spirit. He was in isolation. He was bunkered down in that cave. We read about Joseph who was called to be a leader of God's people and to bring deliverance to God's people in Egypt. And yet he was in isolation in a prison and forgotten about by the chief uh, bear, uh, 
uh, cupbearer and baker and candlestick maker, the three amigos. And so there Joseph is and he's in lockdown, forgotten, and yet God prepares him and promotes him. Even Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, wrestled with his father by himself in that garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if you can remove this cup of suffering from me, I'd really appreciate that. But nevertheless, yet not my will, but your will be done. You need to take to heart Psalm 30 verse 5 in this season. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm telling you, you may have felt like you've shed a few tears. I know I have. I'm sure you have at different times over the last 18 months. But I prophesy over you, joy is coming in the morning. Joy of the Lord is your strength. And you've got to find strength in the joy of the Lord and not in your external circumstance right now. No matter how dark, weary and fatigued you may feel, your darkest nights often lead to your greatest encounters with God. You see, it's in the wrestle that God breaks you to carry the blessing. The Bible says in verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And Jacob, the Bible says, limped from that day. His whole life, his whole body, his whole future was marked by that one encounter with God. You know, we often hear the exhortation from preachers and worship leaders, if you're hungry for a touch from God, lift your hands. If you're hungry for a touch from God, come down the front. And it's true and it's right. However, we often underestimate what the touch of God will bring into our lives. We don't realise that, you know, when God touches you, and ministers to you, you're not going to remain the same. I mean, when the creator of the heavens and earth comes and touches Jacob's hip socket, he limps from that day. He's marked from that day. He is broken from that day. He was forever indelibly marked by his encounter with God. When you touch God and God touches you by His Spirit, when He moves in your life, when you encounter Him and when you wrestle with Him, there'll be something that breaks in you. And you're gonna make sure that in the wrestle of this hour, your heart isn't hardened against God, but your heart is broken towards God. That's so good. I'm gonna say it again. You're gonna make sure that in the wrestle of the night hour that we are in, that you don't become hardened in your heart toward uh, against God, but that your spirit is broken towards God. What if the purpose of the wrestle was to break you to carry a greater weight of blessing in your life in the coming season? And while we're fussing and fighting and clawing and scratching and trying to push back, God's actually trying to promote us. God's actually trying to bless us. God's actually trying to bring something in the contradiction of the hour that cannot be received any other way than being touched by the finger of God. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You know, in the Gospels, we read about a woman Mary Magdalene, who approached Jesus with an alabaster box and she wanted to minister to Jesus. There's a ministry to people, but then there's a ministry to Jesus. And it was an act of worship 
in her own life and, and she'd come from such brokenness and Jesus is reclining and relaxing at the dinner table with his guests and the disciples and Pharisees all around him. And this woman comes with that alabaster box and as long as that alabaster box remained intact, Jesus would not be ministered to. The fragrance and perfume within that box would not be smelt in that house. And yet the moment she broke open the alabaster box, the perfume, the fragrance, not only ministered to Jesus, but it filled that house and began to uh, uh, make people aware that something significant and special was taking place as she was anointing Jesus' body for burial. I want to tell every single believer watching this today, God has put an anointing on you that will only break the bondages of others according to the breaking in you. You will, people will not be able to have ministry that breaks bondages off of their lives if you and I have not allowed God to break in us that which He has put on us. And so instead of fighting the breaking process, hold on to God through the breaking process. Why? Because it's your resolve to hold on to God in this season that qualifies you for the blessing. This is what we read about in verse 26. The Bible says, then he said, let me go for the day is broken. So even God's wrestling with Jacob and God wasn't fatigued. The angel of the Lord's not fatigued. He, he's in a UFC MMA sort of octagon wrestle with Jacob and he's just in his stride. He's not breaking a sweat. He's like, you know what? I'm getting a bit bored, Jacob. Let me go. The day has broken. I don't want anyone to see this. I'm out of here. And this is Jacob's response. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was fatigued from wrestling God all night. Talk about the ultimate UFC fight. I mean, you know, you do not want to get in the octagon with God. And here is Jacob, he's wrestling, he's fatigued, his hip has been put out of joint, his body has been broken, but he made a decision. I refuse to let go of God unless He blesses me. I want to tell you in our generation, all it takes is one Jacob who refuses to let go of God until the blessing comes and the rest will become history. No matter how tired you are, no matter how beaten up you feel in this season by the wrestle of the night hour, you've got to get some holy grit into your spirit that says, I will not let you go, God, unless you bless me. Because the blessing belongs to those who refuse to give up. Make a holy decision with the holy grit that is inside of you. I will not let you go. You know, as a youth pastor, uh, many years ago, often you do crazy things. And I remember as a youth pastor playing a game where one group of youth would all link their arms together and they would sit down on the ground and sort of in a circle and you're all linking your arms tight. And then another group of youth, their responsibility in this game was to actually break the link, break the group up and it was timed. And the team that held on the longest in that group was the team that won. Stupid games we play as youth
passes, but this is what you do. And so I decided on this night, I'm in. I'm going to be one of the groups. And I just said to my team as we sat down linked arms, anyone who breaks the, the link up, anyone who gives up, you're not going to get any pizza tonight. So don't, don't break the link, don't give up. And then I looked to the little kid sitting next to me and I said, uh, if you let go, I'm going to snap your arm. And he looked at me like, and I said, only joking. I said, but don't let go. And so we're there and five minutes turns into 12 minutes and 12 minutes turns into 18 minutes, true story. And everyone else is sort of finished and bored and done. But oh no, not Pastor Corey's group. I'm like, hold on. It was like a scene out of Braveheart. Hold, hold. And so we're holding there. We get to 25 minutes and the other youth leaders are like <laughs> appealing to their pastor, tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, pastor, I think the game has come to an end. Hold, everybody hold. Because I want to tell you something. God has put into the spirit of your pastor an attitude, a faith, a spirit that refuses to give up unless God blesses us. I believe that God is going to bring you and our church into its blessed prophetic destiny. But you're going to make a decision. I'm going to keep praying until He blesses me. And even when He blesses us, we're going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep worshipping until He blesses us. And I'm going to keep giving until He blesses us. And I'm going to keep honouring Him until He blesses us. And even after He blesses us, and even after we walk into our prophetic destiny, we're still going to pray. We're still going to witness. We're still going to give. We're still going to evangelise because that is who we are as the people of God. You've got to make a decision today. I will not let you go, God, unless you bless me. And one of the parables that really speaks to this in the Gospels is the parable of the persistent widow. And I love it because it's a parable where Jesus is teaching us how we should pray. And it's the story of this persistent, relentless woman who hounded this judge who neither feared God nor respected man. But he had to make a decision. I've got to give this girl justice or else she's going to put me in the grave with her constant hounding. And so I'm going to give her justice. And the moral, the parable is pointing and highlighting to us that God isn't an unjust judge. God is a gracious, loving, heavenly Father who is not reluctant to answer your prayers, who is not reluctant to give you justice. In fact, in Luke 18, 7, at the end of the parable, the Bible says this, Will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Now, not only should we be encouraged by that, we also need to be sober-minded because that word speedily in the interpretation of heaven is a little bit different to your speedily and my speedily. Sometimes God's speedily can be like a thousand years and your speedily is like now. And all I know is you've got to trust the sovereignty of God in the midst of the season that we're in. And you say, God, I believe that you are on the job. You neither slumber nor sleep. You're doing something I can't understand. So you've got 
got to let go of what you can't control and you've got to focus your prayers and focus your attention and focus your worship on those things that you know are safe, trustworthy and reliable. And that is the goodness of the character of God. He will bring justice to you in this situation. He will speedily respond to you when His sovereignty determines it and we've got to trust Him through the process. You see, it's in the wrestle that you come face to face with who you really are. And this is what happened to Jacob. God said to him, verse 27, what is your name? It's an interesting question to ask. He wasn't asking that question because God didn't know his name. When God ever asks you these sorts of questions, it's not because he's like, you know, I've forgotten your name. What's your name? I know I made you somewhere, but what's your name? No, no, he, he knows your name. He knows the hairs that are on your head, all the lack of. He knows what you're going through. He knows your address. He knows your bank account. He knows your life. He knows Jacob's name. He's wanting Jacob to own up to something. He's wanting Jacob to come clean about his life and his manner of life and his approach to life and things that he's done in his life. He says, what is your name? And in that wrestle, in that moment where Jacob is, oh, I will not let you go. He realises I've got to come clean. And he says, I am Jacob. You see, from Jacob's mother's womb to this moment, he had been lying, cheating and heel grabbing his way through life. He'd stolen his brother's birthright. He'd taken advantage of others and he'd been taken advantage of. And everything in Jacob's life had been a struggle in his own flesh to obtain the blessing. And staring into the face of God, God held up a mirror to Jacob and asked him to own up to who he was and what manner of life he'd been living and what he actually had partnered with in his spirit throughout his life. You see, many of us spend our lives ducking and weaving and avoiding facing up to the deepest struggles of our own souls. But you need to know today, God can't heal what you won't reveal. God can't heal what you won't won't reveal. And often we're sort of trying to, uh, masquerade things and, and in our insecurity sort of put on a good front and, and yet we're struggling underneath the surface of our hearts with real issues, real hurts. Could it be that in the wrestle of this lockdown, with distractions removed, just you alone with God wrestling in the night, God is holding up a mirror to your soul and He's asking you to reveal your deepest struggle to Him. And it's not only so that He can heal you and He can restore you, it's so that He can call you into your prophetic destiny. God is not about simply cleaning you up. He's about empowering and equipping you to send you forth. You see, Jacob was never the same from that moment. As the sun rose on that new day, he limped his way with the brokenness of spirit that is necessary to carry the blessing that God wants to bring, not only to Jacob, but also to you and I. You see, it's in the wrestle that God renames you to fulfil your prophetic destiny. 
God said to him after Jacob came clean as to who he was and, and what he had, what manner of life he'd been living. God said to him in verse 28, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. They've got to be some of the best words in the entire Bible. All throughout the Bible, God renames people to fulfil their calling. People like Abram, exalted father, he renames Abraham, the father of a multitude or father of many nations. People like Sarai, princess, becomes Sarah, princess of multitudes. People like Simon the reed becomes Peter the rock. Saul the persecutor becomes Paul the apostle and Jacob the cheater, the heel grabber and supplanter becomes Israel, the Prince of God. He who has striven with God and man and have prevailed. I believe God is coming to every single one of us today. He is holding a mirror up to our hearts and He's asking us to come clean about what is that deep struggle in our life. Are you Are you wrestling with something? Is there something in your heart that you've been struggling with that you need to lay on the altar today? That you need to present as a living sacrifice? Is there a sin, a habitual sin in your life you need to repent of and you need to ask God to purify and wash you clean? Is there a hurt that you've been holding on to, an offence towards somebody that you need to let go of today, need to lay at His feet and ask God to heal you and, and, and anoint you with the healing balm upon your heart and upon your mind. You see, God doesn't just want to heal you today. He wants to rename you and call you into your prophetic destiny. And this whole story highlights to us that in life and in our walk with God, some blessings are only received when you prevail with God in the wrestle. There are only some blessings in life that you can't get just by exercising your faith when it comes to, you know, Ephesians chapter one, that we're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. The only thing you need to do to receive that blessing is believe it. But there are some wrestles in life. There are some blessings in life, should I say, that will only be received by faith as you prevail with God in the wrestle. And the person who prevails is the person who, like Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Maybe you're in a season, you're in a moment where this Word is prophetically speaking to you right where you're at. I know as God was ministering it to me this week, I needed to hear it. I needed to respond to it. I know for many of us, this is such a relevant Word. I want to invite you wherever you are to stand with me and I want to pray for you that God would give you a holy resolve in your heart, that like Jacob in the midst of the wrestle of the night, I will not let you go, God, unless you bless me. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you so much today for the Word of the Lord. I thank you, Father, for Jacob's example, that in the midst of all of his challenges and issues, there was this holy resolve and this commitment in his heart to hold on to you until you blessed him. And I thank You, Father, that, Lord, in this season of the night hour, in this wrestle, O God, that, Lord, Your intention is to bless us. Your intention isn't to hurt us. It's not a wrestle for our destruction. It's a wrestle for our promotion. And I pray today, Lord God, may we pass the test. May we, O God, hold on to You. 
in the midst of the wrestle, O oh God, with the fatigue, with the brokenness, with all of the things that we're facing in our lives. Like Jacob today, we declare, I will not let you go, God, unless you bless me. I pray for the truth of this to be applied to every heart, every person, every family, every business, oh God, every pastor, leader, church, every person that's watching this today, that God, there would be this holy grit and this holy resolve, oh God, in prayer, in worship, in tithes and offerings, Lord, in our witness, Lord, in our ministries, in our leadership of our companies and businesses and in leadership of our own homes, God, we will not let You go. And even when You bless us and even when You bring, Lord, that which we're contending for and believing for, Father, we won't let You go because we know where our help comes from. To whom else shall we go? Only You have the words of life today. We honour You. We love You. And for those, oh God, that have struggled all their life like Jacob to get the blessing, receive the blessing in their own strength. Father, I pray the wind of Your Spirit would carry all of us into a season, O God, of great grace and favour, where we would find ourselves in that place of the wrestle. As we refuse to let go of You, we would discover that there is a blessing, there is a favour that comes by faith in the wrestle, O God, where You don't have to strive and You don't have to strain and struggle in Your own strength to obtain something that is available and accessible through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that God, Your blessing would be seen. That Lord, like the land of Goshen in Egypt, people would look at the church and believers in this hour and go, why are you so strong? Why have you got so much blessing and favour in your life? What, what, what is that about? And we would say, because we believe in Jesus and we refuse to let Him go. And Father, I just pray today, oh God, let this resolve be in our hearts. Let great grace, great strength be in all of us today as we hold on to You in the wrestle in Jesus' Name, I pray. Come on, why don't we worship wherever we are? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.